Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the October 23rd, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today has spent more than three decades building a Canadian auto supplier into a mobility company and contract assembler, among other things. He's seen two North American trade agreements come to fruition, expanded the company around the globe, and he's led the business to become number three on the Automotive News Top 100 Global Suppliers list. And come January 1st, 2021, he'll officially be a retiree. We'll look back on his career, assess the current climate and opportunities suppliers have, and find out why his successor is the right man for the job. All that when I speak with Mr. Don Walker, the outgoing CEO of Magna International, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Don, thanks for joining me on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, first, congratulations on retirement, and that leads me right into my first question. Why retire now? Well, I think everybody has to figure out what they want to do, what the right time is. It wasn't really a question of when it was the right time for me, although I've got a lot of things I want to focus on. I've had a 33-year career at Magna, and it's been a great career here. I took over as CEO back in the early 90s, so it's been it's been a long, a long time where I've been uh, CEO and, and leading the company. More bigger consideration for myself and the board was with everything going on, uh, we've been doing succession planning in pretty in-depth for the top quite a few positions at Magna. We've had some changes recently when people retired. And you know, I, I just thought it was the right time for Swami Kodagiri, who is our president, to take over and lead the company in the future, because there's a lot of things going on in the industry, and I think Swami's the right person. So there's no particular uh, reason to do it right now, but we've been planning it for a while, and this is the target we set for ourselves, and we were able to, uh, to get the great transition. Did the pandemic quicken the pace or slow the pace of your decision-making? I'm just wondering how that played into your decision to retire. Uh, it didn't really impact it at all. I mean, it's... Okay. Uh, it's like everything else, but it didn't really have any impact. Like you said, you've been there for 30 plus years. Was there anything about your management style or your approach to the business that's changed over your tenure? And, and if so, um, what changed and, and what spurred you to make those changes? Well, I think whenever you, when I, I first joined the company, I, I met Frank Stronach. I was trying to pitch a joint venture to do with Magna, so he hired me. Uh, I'd had a seven-year career at General Motors before, so probably early on in your your career, you develop a management style. I don't think it's changed that much over time. Uh, I do think after coming to Magna and working with Frank and seeing he was quite a visionary, uh, how we we structured the company, how you motivate people at all levels, profit sharing, uh, corporate constitution, employee charter, which we fine-tuned over the years. I think uh, I, I think working with somebody like Frank, it does really broaden your scope. Uh, and working with an entrepreneur like him, it broadens your, your the, what, the, some of the things you think about. So I don't know that my style has changed much, but 
I guess what you focus on and what you set as priorities for the company would would logically evolve over time. What are you most proud of? Is there one thing that you wanted for the company and you got it? I'm just wondering if something stands out in your career. I've been asked a lot that, uh, that question a lot in the last little while. Say, you know, a, a, quite often people think of a company as a as a legal entity or a thing. Uh, I look at a company as a collection of people who are all trying to hopefully work together for a common goal. And in Magna's case, the common goal is pretty, pretty well defined. How do we keep our customers happy so we win business, so we can keep growing the business? How do you keep the employees happy and motivated so they have their mind uh, and their energy focused on being productive? And the third is, is how do you reward the shareholders who are the owners of the company for a good return and keeping that balance? So I think the thing I'm most proud of, quite frankly, is the relationships and the culture we have inside the company, keeping it growing as we've gone from uh, when I joined the company, it was you know, a little over a billion dollars after our restructuring. We've grown to be a global company of $40 billion. Uh, it's been a huge amount of work with an amazing team of people over the years and going into plants and just seeing how everybody is trying to pull in the same direction and really be be, be a great competitive company. That uh, And how much money we've been able to put in our profit sharing with our employees over the years has been it's been amazing. Any regrets? Did you did you not win something that you wanted to win? Did you not produce something you wanted to produce? I just wonder if there was a missed opportunity or something you regret over the 30 years that didn't get done? No, if I could turn back the clock, I'd say, I mean, there was a lot of turmoil we went through from the near bankruptcy in the 80s and the downturn. Nobody could have predicted that. You know, COVID this year, other things have happened. So you have to react to things. I think in the last 10 years, we've really been focused on three priorities, world-class manufacturing, consistency around the globe. That includes the launches on innovation, on product and manufacturing processes and new materials, and a a global people system to identify and and drive uh, promotions to the right people, attract the right people. I wish we had probably been able to get that started earlier, maybe 20 years ago, but you know, the company is evolving and uh, so I don't really have it as a regret, but that's something that uh, you live and learn on how you can can run the most effective company, but no, no big regrets. A lot of people as smart as you and in positions like yours with a lifetime of knowledge in the industry, they don't really make a clean break from the industry when they retire. They might take a consulting job or a contract job of some sort. Will you do something like that, or will you will you remain active in the industry? Uh, what does retirement from Magna look like for Don Walker? Well, we've got we still got a lot to do the rest of this year, but I'm certainly been thinking about it. I've got some uh, passions I've been working on. A couple of them are actually associated with Magna, but I'll do those more uh, uh, as as continuing on with the health initiative we have in the company, and I'm working on personally. I've been working on future prosperity ideas for Canada. Uh, I'd like to continue working on that, not speaking on behalf of the CEO of Magna, but being more being speak, speaking on behalf of an individual who's got, I've been very fortunate to see a lot of things that we operate in a lot of countries, uh, a lot of experience. Uh, so if I can get back to the 
country, I would like to do that to the extent people want to listen. Um, and and I've got a few other things as well. Uh, I want to be looking at some new technologies, but I don't. I'm not taking another operating role on. I'm not going to go on public company boards. I want to have the freedom to work on things that I'm passionate about. And I've got a I've got a few personal things which I want to be working on too. You mentioned the prosperity of Canada. This is a question I wanted to ask you, so I'll ask it now. It wasn't in this order, but it's sort of in this vein. Um, your tenure at Magna um, took you from the start of NAFTA through the ratification of USMCA. How do you see the strength and pro- prosperity of the Canadian auto manufacturing industry now compared to the early days of NAFTA? Well, I've been chairing, co-chairing or chairing a group called CAPSI, Canadian Automotive Partnership Council, which has really been put in place at the request of the Minister of Industry federally, but also the province of Ontario and, and Quebec is involved in it as well. We have representatives in the whole industry uh, there. You know, the We've seen the percentage of production decline in Canada. Uh, you know, it's been unfortunate. We've seen the employment levels come down here a little bit, and I don't think there's any specific thing you can point to. Uh, just before NAFTA was renegotiated with the pressure that the U.S. administration is able to put on, and logically people would think, well, where am I going to put my assembly capacity? Probably in the States. If it was possible, you're going to have some way of blocking products going into the States. But I think there's been good cooperation there. Uh, I think Canada's tried to do their best in in attracting, promoting investments of the OEM assembly plants here. Uh, and we've had a couple of wins lately, which is good to see. Uh, we, you know, and they've worked on eliminating red tape and administration. I still think we have some areas we can improve in in Canada, uh, and that's why I would like to continue to focus on it. But the industry will rise or fall by whether you get vehicles assembled here. Now, the parts manufacturers can actually be quite healthy, but will be healthier if our end customers are located in Canada or northern Michigan, or easily within shipping region. Now that we've got the new NAFTA in place, I think that will uh, you know, make NAFTA strong. Hopefully, people don't, I would say dump, but I'll say dump their vehicles from, other, from Asia and other areas in, into, uh, into the NAFTA region so we have a fair playing field. So I think it'll be good opportunities going forward. And we just got to make sure we're, it's a very competitive industry. We make sure we've got the best and brightest more competitive here. We'll hear more from Don Walker after this short break. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market, while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. 
Welcome back to the show where I'm talking all things supply with Don Walker, the soon-to-be-retired CEO of Magna International. These new uh, first two contracts ratified by uh, Unifor with Ford and with FCA, um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, right from mining to battery production to the um, the supply chain. Do these new deals long-term uh, bode well for the supply chain in Ontario? Does it bolster it? Does it change it at all? Well, I think what we've seen, and I'm very happy to see this, is they've maintained their production here, so the footprint isn't going, is, isn't going down. Now, I don't know the details. Hopefully, the vehicles they put here will sell well and, and the volumes will go up. So I think it's a good news story. Uh, I was talking to Jerry Diaz the other day. Now, he, he's probably in a, in a difficult situation because you want to have the best you can get for, for the workforce, but it's a competitive world out there, and uh, you know you have to be willing to do the right balance of keeping the competitiveness and attracting an investment within the. And the government has a role to play there. So the fact that we've got some production mandates here is good for those two plants, and it's also also gives it a, an opportunity for the supply base to win business. And there's probably going to be some opportunities to win some business in some new areas. And Magna's in. Uh, we're in the powertrain space. We're, we have electric, uh, electrification solutions for powertrain software solutions. Like we're in a lot of different product areas and a lot of them pertain to these new vehicles. So I think anybody's in the advanced technologies and there's others out there. It's a good opportunity to try and win contracts and, and you want to place them in Canada if, if the production's here. Um, one of the biggest aspects of Magna lately under your watch is contract assembly. Um, is the deal with Fisker just another sign that contract assembly is the wave of the future for Magna? I mean, how big of a part of the company do you see contract assembly becoming? Well, we've got a very big plant in Europe. We have a joint venture in, uh, with a partner in China where we're launching uh, in a joint venture plant and a joint venture engineering company uh, new electric vehicles. In fact, that's uh, part of the platform will be used in the Fisker. I think that when a new entrance decides to come into the market, the likelihood of them saying, we want to do everything from engineering project management, do all the tooling and assemble the vehicle, that's a real, real um, tough thing to do. People say, well, Tesla did it. Well, Tesla's been around for coming up to 20 years now, right. and, and, and you saw some of the difficulties they had. So I do think there's opportunities with the new entrances, and I think to the extent that the car companies have to be competitive, and it's a tough world, so they're going to have to look at are they more competitive if they were going to outsource some of their low-volume, unique vehicles? I, I think they may come to that conclusion, which gives us an opportunity potentially to put a plant up here, but you need three or four contracts, not one. So they'd like the chicken and the egg. Let me ask you this. Magna now owns a 6% stake in Fisker. Does that make Magna technically an automaker? Is this where we're going? No, we're not going to compete with our, with our customers. And part of what we were doing, we have to devote a lot of resources, and it's a business model of, uh, of our complete vehicle group to do the engineering program management. But uh, as part of uh, us really doing it, we're going to be doing a lot here. And I think we can help them be successful. So I think as part of the motivation for us to really focus and and work with them is to give us some warrants so we can we can uh, hopefully get some financial return if we do a good job. And and we're, they're tied to some performance metrics to that as well. So it's not an intention for us to be 
part owner in a car company and uh, you know change our business model. But you know, if we can help develop revenue on data collection or or other things, and we're open to that, obviously, and can help us with profitability. But we're not going to become a car company. Do you see Magna? engaging in contract assembly in North America. I know you've been asked this before, and I know that people in Canada and and, um, and in North America in general are, are curious and would like to see that. Um, do you foresee Magna engaging in contract assembly in North America, in particular Canada? I wouldn't say yes. I wouldn't say no. I mean, I'm talking about North America. We do some, some work with Waymo. We have uh, an equity stake with Waymo looking at advanced technology and autonomous driving. Uh, if we get enough people interested, we could certainly do it. Uh, where would the plant go? Depends on who the customers are, where they think they're going to sell them, what they want. Uh, we would probably do a brownfield plant rather than a greenfield plant. Is the vehicle going to be painted? So there's all sorts of things we got to consider. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're having some very interesting discussions and we'll just see where they go. Um, let's talk about your successor. What makes Swami the right person to succeed you right now? Well, the good news is we've got a very strong management team and a lot of we've made a lot of moves in the last few years as people have decided to retire. So we've got seven group presidents. They're all doing an exceptional job, very strong operators, and almost all the people in the senior team here have a lot of seniority. We brought a couple of new people in. Uh, Swami has been here for 21 years, and he has a strong technical background. In the last seven, when speaking the chief technical officer, he's been uh, involved heavily in our electronics group, our powertrain group, uh, we have another group that's in our power and vision, which is involved in lighting and latches uh, and mirrors, which are has a lot of electronics content. He's been working on uh, with startups on VC technology. So he's, uh, he's had uh, experience and very good success in the technical side, the business side, the operation side, engineering side. And he's been recently our president. Uh, but he's working with the strategy on all the groups. So he's, he's got a very good background, understands the culture, is well-respected and liked in the company, and uh, I think he's going to do a, a great job here. I want to ask you another question about yourself. What did being Canadian mean to you, being in charge of a, a multinational company like Magna in a, you know, typically, you know, a Japanese and, and uh, American-dominated um, industry. I just wonder if being Canadian meant anything special to you, if it was a challenge to you. Just, I wonder what being Canadian meant. Well, I was born in Canada. Frank decided to start Magna in Canada because he moved here, he immigrated here when he was young. He started the company. You've also got Linamar, which was started by uh, you know, an immigrant who started that here. So, you know, I, I kind of think of myself, quite frankly, as a North American person. I spend so much time in the States. But, you know, we're, we're obviously have a very strong, keen interest in, in having a healthy Canada. That's why I want to work on this uh, prosperity project. And it, it's nice to have as many plants as we've got here. We're the largest supplier in North America by, by quite a bit, actually. Uh, and we operate globally. But, you know, we, I think we have a very strong office in Europe, in, in Austria and Germany, and I'm sure they're very proud of their heritage. We're very proud of our heritage here. The fact the head office is here, and we're such a a large, internationally successful company. I think it's it's great when Canada needs more companies like this. That's why we need to make sure we have the environment to attract entrepreneurs, uh, let them be successful here, support business, and, and celebrate the, the the victories. The fact that Frank was here and Canada's here. 
has meant billions of dollars into the uh, into the government from payroll taxes and you know you name it. Uh, so we the more international companies we can get here, the more Canada gets on the map is a great place to to be. And so I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish, and uh, you know it's it's very rewarding. Last question. I had people tell me this week, um, Don Walker's retirement is, quote, the end of an era, end quote. How does that make you feel when someone says that about you and your career? It's an end of an era at Magna. I just wonder how you respond to that. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. We had to talk with all, a lot of our senior people. And when you're here for this long, and you know, but had a, had a big impact and making decisions on who's in what position. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people will 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 look at that and and you know, change is always interesting for people. But I don't think it's an end of an era because all of our key people, Tom Skadudis, uh, the group president, Swami, they've all got a long uh, history here. We Actually, my management style is we all get together. We talk about priorities. It's not one person makes a decision. Uh, so I don't think things are going to change. I think the culture will be supported. Uh, I think we've got... Some really smart people looking at mobility in the car of the future. So, you know, people may worry about it. Maybe it's the end of an era because I've been here for so long. I remember 30 years ago, I was going in the supplier councils as a young CEO. Uh, so, you know, I'm pretty well known in certain areas of the industry. So, you know, that, that changes, but uh, it, it won't change the company. And if I've done my job right and put the right people in, we'll look back in three or four years. We'll look in three or four years, and we'll look back and say the company got even stronger with the management team that was in place. And I think that's a true judgment of how strong a leader or, or how successful you are, is if you can replace yourself with a team that's as strong or stronger, then, then, then they've done a good job. If you don't do that, then you failed. Don, um, you've always been candid, always been honest, uh, always one of my favorite quotes to read or listen to. Uh, I appreciate the time on the podcast, and I wish you all the best in retirement, even though we know it doesn't start until January, but but all the best. Yeah, I may still be around doing something, so I appreciate it. Thanks very much for the time. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, Don. We reached Don at his office at Magna Global Headquarters in Aurora, Ontario. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at G Lason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.